Ned Ryan, and welcome to the second episode of the Ned Ryan Podcast. I want to address an issue that uh, is obviously very relevant today as we watch a lot of our major urban areas being burned and looted, uh, police under attack, watching the silencing of voices of dissent, voices, uh, freedom of speech being undermined. This is, this is an issue that I think needs to be addressed, and, and Tucker Carlson, God bless him, has been doing an excellent job and obviously taking a lot of slings and arrows for it. But addressing the issue of who's really behind the rioting and the looting and the protesting. So, of course, I, I hope if you're following the news, you understand there's two major groups that are out there doing most of the damage. One is Antifa, which I'll discuss hopefully in the next episode about who they are. And then Black Lives Matter. And I have explained to people, you've got the white Marxists and Maoists with Antifa, and you've got the black Marxists with Black Lives Matter. They're all Marxists that are out there. Some are white, some are black, but they're all basically headed towards the same goals of completely undermining our system of government, who we are as a people, basically destroying the old order to bring in a new order. Is, is the best way to look at it. Of course, Antifa is a lot easier uh, in some people's minds to go after an attack because they're just a bunch of spoiled white brats who have probably lived in their parents' basements, who have never been told no, told no uh, who feel that they can go destroy and vandalize and do whatever they want. What has been a little more difficult for people to do, and that's why you don't see more voices being outspoken, is addressing the Black Lives Matter because well, they're, they're blacks. And, and part of the problem is if you have Black Lives Matter, you're saying if you go after them that you're somehow undermining the argument that somehow black lives don't matter. That's, of course, not the point at all. The point in being to understand who Black Lives Matter, the organization, actually is, how they've hijacked this for their own political goals and how Orwellian they truly are. And, and that's what I hope to discuss here a little bit. And kind of it really started... Probably a week ago, two weeks ago, when I posted a meme on my Instagram feed and also on Twitter that I think was really well done. And it was actually done by a young black conservative. Uh, it was forwarded to me, and I thought it was brilliant. And the meme is uh, the, the golden idol of BLM, and then bowing down to that are the woke evangelicals, and then standing up are three figures called the infidels. And if you know your Bible, you know that this is the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who refused to bow the knee to the false idol. And in that day and age, and of course we see this again with any voices of dissent in this day and age, they're considered the infidels because they refuse to go along, because they refuse to bow the knee. And I posted that and had family members and friends, um, first of all, trying to understand, you know, what are you trying to communicate here? But also, my beloved wife, who uh, loves me very much, and we love each other. She's like, "Why? You know, what? What's the point? This is kind of controversial." I'm like, "No, it's not really." She's like, "Well, people don't understand why you're doing. What is the point? What is the message of this?" So that's really, in some ways, the the genesis for this podcast episode is for you to understand where I'm coming from in regards to Black Lives Matter, the organization, how people are being. Um, Manipulated, truly manipulated by an organization and coming out and supporting 
this movement that has nothing to do with the values that people claim they believe, okay? So I think one of the things I want to do is go back and address a little bit of the history of Black Lives Matter, <clears throat> who started it, what are some of their goals, and a lot of this stuff is very, it's very public information. It's just connecting the dots and, and highlighting again what these people have said over the course of time, what is on their actual website, <clears throat> and what they're hoping to achieve. So Black Lives Matter uh, was actually founded in 2013 in the wake of the uh, George Zimmerman acquittal trial in the shooting, the killing of, of Trayvon Trayvon uh, Martin, uh, the organization was a f- a founded by three black community organizers, Alicia Garza, Patrice Kalars, and Opal Tometi. And so I really want to go through uh, the, the, who these three women are. And again, using their own words, where they've been quoted, what they've written, and, and letting you understand who they actually are. Because I think what, what needs to be done is really understand who these people are and what they're trying to achieve. This has nothing to do with race. This has everything to do with political ideology. And I think the thing that's even more troubling to me than, than even Antifa, again, the white Marxists that are out there rioting and looting, is the fact that Black Lives Matter, the organization, is black Marxists. And they don't want any, any criticism of Black Lives Matter for calling them out for their ideology is considered racist, it's very Orwellian in my mind. Again, they don't want to be criticized, but it's it's time that we have a very frank conversation. And God bless Tucker Carlson for doing what he's doing and, and taking a lot of slings and arrows for it. But trying to get people to understand that anything that Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter is doing has nothing to do with actually advancing black lives. It has everything to do with advancing a Marxist ideology. So, so but, uh, Alicia Garza is a writer and activist. She lives in Oakland, California. She's a self-proclaimed Marxist and a queer social justice activist. She openly admires uh, Asada Shakur, who was a convicted cop killer who fled to Cuba, who was a Marxist revolutionary, who is a former member of the Black Panther Party. Garza also admires Angela Davis, who is a Marxist and a former Black Panther as well. Ella Baker, who's an avowed socialist, who has ties to the Communist Party USA and the Weather other under, Underground. You're going to see a lot of connections here between Black Lives Matter, Black Panthers, and Weather Underground. Um, so one of the things that uh, Garza wrote about in an essay called Her Story of the Black Lives Matter movement she claims that Black Lives Matter, at its essence is, a, essence, is a tactic to rebuild the black liberation movement for people who have been deprived of their basic human rights and dignity. She claims that common examples of this discrimination, poverty, genocide, mass incarceration. In this same essay, she denounced the efforts of her detractors to use such slogans as all lives matter by stating, stand with us in affirming black lives, not just all lives, black lives. Don't change the conversation by talking about how your life matters too. It does, but we need less watered-down unity and more active solidarities. Black people with us, black people who are unwaveringly in defense of our humanity. The tired trope that we're all the same serves only to perpetuate a level of white supremacist domination. In May of 2015, uh, Garza described the recent protests and riots in Baltimore in the wake of Freddie Gray's death. 
as a Black Spring, which is, of course, a reference to the Arab Spring in the Middle East, which started in 2011. What we know is that there's a Black Spring that is emerging where communities that had been under the boot of police terrorism, communities that have been attacked by poverty and unemployment are rising up and coming together and advancing new solutions and new visions and new demands to create a new world where black people's lives matter. We've had enough. I think the thing that I'm going to state here and probably needs to be reiterated many, many times, when they talk about the Black Lives Matter and having trouble in urban areas, guess who's controlled these urban areas? The mayor, mayor's office, the city councils, who appoint the police chiefs, the police commissions. It's not the Republican Party. In some of these urban areas... Democrats have dominated not just for decades, but sometimes a century or more. So spare me. This is a, this is a problem between the black people, the, the minority communities in these urban areas, and the Democrat Party, who have not given them, who have not promoted opportunity, who have not given them adequate housing, who have not given them adequate schooling or food or water like in Flint, Michigan. It's not the Republicans, people. It's the Democrat Party. In a September 2016 interview with Complex.com, uh, Garza claimed that the U.S. would be a better place if the police were to be terminated. Quite frankly, many of our Black Lives Matter members are continuing to investigate what it would mean to have police-free communities. I think what we've continued to see over time is there's no moral appeal to police. It's uh, actually stopping the deaths of black people at the hands of police, whether they are armed or unarmed. She also posed the following question, how do we stop violence, looting, and riots? The way we stop that is by making sure that people have the things they need to thrive. When people are systematically denied their rights to adequate housing, adequate foods, to adequate food, to dignity, this is a response and reaction that we should absolutely expect. Fine. Valid point. That, that people in these areas deserve these things as, as basic human rights, right? Housing and food and, and dignity and water, all these things. Your argument is not with us people, not with me as a, a conservative, as a Republican. I haven't had, and, and people that identify as a Republican or conservative, haven't had the levers of power in these urban areas for years, years. Your issue, Black Lives Matter and minority communities, is with the Democrat Party. Why don't you take it up with them instead of following them and voting in mass for them? Which, by the way, it didn't always used to be that way. Go, go look at historical trends. Up until, I believe, it was the 1930s, the black community actually voted in a block for Republicans. Why? Well, it all started during the post-Civil War era. And again, I would remind people, a Republican president forced the Southern Democrats to free their slaves. Democrats didn't take too kindly to that start a domestic terrorism organization called the Ku Klux Klan. But during the whole reconstruction of the South, the, the Republican Party was defending, advancing, and protecting the recently freed slave community so that they could have a better life, so they could actually run for office and be involved in elected politics. They wanted to help the black community and the black community understood that and voted in mass for them. But you see those voting trends starting to change in the 30s and 40s uh, towards more of the Democrats. And now it's a it's it's a you know 90% plus voting block for the Democrat Party, which oh by the way has been in charge of these urban areas. 
In a 2016 article, Reds Exploiting Blacks, again by Reds, uh, the, the authors meaning the communists, the Marxists, the roots of Black Lives Matter, the author James Simpson notes that Alicia Garza has been affiliated with four organizations that are front groups with the Marxist-Leninist Freedom Road Socialist Organization, National Domestic Workers Alliance, the School of Unity and Liberation, Right to City Alliance, and People Organized to Win Employment Rights. Again, all of these are fronts for Marxist-Leninists. One of the other founders is Patrice Colors. And she began her volunteer work with the Bus Riders Union, which is a public transportation advocacy group in L.A. that was organized by the L.A.-based think tank known as the Labor and Community Strategy Center. You love how vanilla these names are for these leftist Marxist groups. The Labor and Community Strategy Center. Several years later, she was hired by the group to train high school students in political organizing tactics. And beforehand, Patrice Colors was trained to be an activist by Eric Mann. If you recognize the name, ding, 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 you win a former Weather Underground leader. Kalars was, uh, took interest in an ACL lawsuit, ACLU lawsuit in 2012, which claimed that large members, numbers of the L.A. Sheriff's deputies have been abusing inmates. Uh, Kalars and several of her friends organized protests in response to these alleged wrongdoings. As their protests grew in number, numbers, uh, Kalars named her group the Dignity and Power Now which she serves as the lead organizer for to this day. Uh, this group is sponsored by community partners, and it is also a front group for the Marxist-Leninist Freedom Road Socialist Organization. Okay, you're, I hope you're seeing a trend here. We're now into the second founder of the Black Lives Matter, whether underground connections, Marxist front groups, etc. Uh, in April, On April 18th, 2013, Kalar spoke at an L.A. rally called the Urgent Call to Defend Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro. If you don't know who that name is, shame on you, but this is the socialist dictator of Venezuela. The event was premised on the idea that right-wing political forces within the U.S. government were trying to deny the legitimate governor, uh, government of Venezuela. So, apologists for brutal socialist dictators uh, in Venezuela is what the Black Lives Matter founders are. Uh, in December of 2014, Kalars did an interview with the Feminist Wire and claimed that Black Lives Matter... Uh, she views Black Lives Matter as a means to push issues such as decriminalizing black lives, reducing law enforcement budgets. Again, you'll, you'll see that today. And, and God bless in some ways the Minneapolis City Council for being honest about what they really want to achieve. They're not even being shy about it. Yep, they want to do it with the entire Minneapolis police force. At least they're being honest about it. Some people are you know, doing this little kabuki dance of, well, we just want to defund the police. We want to move around funds. We want to put it into things that we think will help communities no, they, they, they want to do away with the police. And at least the Minneapolis City Council is being honest about it. So she wanted to reduce law enforcement budget and require that some police departments be disbanded or abolished. With a reduction of law enforcement money, this is Kalar speaking, we can then be putting it back into black communities, jobs, housing, healthy food. She claimed that until a victim's bill of rights is passed to protect blacks from police brutality, she and her fellow activists are going to shut blank down. What's also interesting about Black Lives Matter is, again, they had connections with the Obama White House, right? They, what, they would go in, they would meet. In fact, Kalars met with the First Lady, Michelle Obama, at the White House, February of 2015. She's not the only one from Black Lives Matter that went in and met with officials at the Obama White House. 
2015, uh, Kalar spoke at the annual Netroots Nation convention in Phoenix. She encouraged blacks to rise the F up and burn everything down. See where we are in 2020. She was saying this in 2015. Uh, and then insisted that high rates of black-on-black crime are a myth. Most of what Black Lives Matter is promoting is a myth, and it is Marxist. But black-on-black crime is not a myth. If you look at stat- statistics and data and facts from multiple sources, when you're in these major urban areas, a lot of the, the deaths in the black community were perpetuated by other members of the black community. It's not a myth. It's a fact. In August of 2017, in an L.A. Uh, Times interview, Kalars claimed that Black Lives Matter would never talk with President Trump, who she equated to Hitler. She also claimed that he was the effect of the collective evils of America. Racism, capitalism, sexism, homophobia, probably global warming. Kalars is also a vocal critic of Israel. She, you, you also see these themes in Black Lives Matter that they're not only Marxists, that they also have anti-Semitic connections. She visited the Palestinian territories in the West Bank for about 10 days, January of 2015. And she saw, in her mind, a parallel between the alleged Israel, Israeli aggression against the Palestinians and police brutality. She also signed a statement alongside more than a thousand other black activists to show solidarity for the Palestinians and their quest to obtain independence from Israeli occupation. This resolution that Kalars, again a founder of the Black Lives Matter, signed, also voiced its support for the Boycott, Divestment, and Sanctions Movement, the BDS movement. Uh, and this statement included these, these, these statements as well. We remain outraged at the brutality Israel unleashed on Gaza through its siege by land, sea, and air, and three military offensives. We reject Israel's framing of itself as a victim. Anyone who takes an honest look at the destruction of life and property in Gaza can see Israel committed a one-sided slaughter. Uh, We aim to sharpen our practice of joint struggle against capitalism, colonialism, imperialism, and various racisms embedded in and around our societies. So in their thinking, the United States, Israel are basically evil. The third founder, Opal Tometi, uh, was born in 1984 to actually uh, to parents who had actually illegally immigrated to the United States year before. She volunteered for the ACLU during her college years, uh, actually on a project that reported on the behavior of alleged vigilantes who were reporting on the entrance of illegal immigrants to the United States. Since January of 2011, she's been a national organizer for Black Alliance for Just Immigration which seeks to achieve immigrant rights for racial justice for African-American, Afro-Latino, African and Caribbean immigrant groups. Her profile at this Soros-funded group, which she's been a national organizer for, describes her as a black feminist writer, communication strategist, and cultural organizer. In September of 2013, she also visited, visited the Obama White House and met with Heather Foster, who was President Obama's lead liaison to the black community. Uh, In February of 2015, she wrote a column for the Huffington Post where she insisted that the racist elements of U.S. society that have long oppressed black peoples have instigated a cycle of oppression and racism that operates at a society-wide level and colludes in a seamless web of policies, practices, and beliefs to oppress and disempower black communities. You mean like putting Planned Parenthood clinics in majority-minority communities? Uh, Please spare me 
the hypocrisy. This, I mean, again, this is the narrative of Black Lives Matter has nothing to do with truth, has nothing to do with facts, has nothing to do with statistics. Their argument and their fight should truly be against the Democrats and against those powers that fund the Democrat Party that have abused the black community, including Planned Parenthood. In this uh, 2015 article, Tometi claimed that blacks make up 40% of incarcerated individuals in the United States, that blacks have a higher unemployment rate than whites, and that a black person is killed by police once every 28 hours uh, as evidence of such racism. She also claimed that divestment from the public sector and laws that criminalized victimless crimes, such as drug use, have disproportionately incarcerated blacks. Furthermore, and you'll... uh, find this a bit mind-boggling. She claimed that her own state of New York allows law enforcement, New York, blue state New York, allows law enforcement to kill black people at nearly the same rate as Jim Crow lynchings. In a separate Huffington Post article written in December of 2014, which was called Staying Focused on the Movement for Racial Justice, Tometi claimed that the overwhelming police presence in our neighborhoods wears people down. She specifically criticized the broken windows policing policy, which constitutes strong enforcement against low-level crimes such as panhandling and and public urination, uh, graffiti vandalism. And she considers such enforcement racist because blacks commit the majority of those low-level crimes. In January of 2015, she wrote a piece titled Celebrating MLK Day, Reclaiming Our Movement Legacy, and she advocated for the formation of a radical contingent of black trans people, black queer people, black immigrants, black incarcerated people, formerly incarcerated people, black millennials, black women, low-income black people, and black people with disabilities to achieve social justice. On top of her work with Black Lives Matter and others, Tometi is also involved in a network called Black Organizing for Leadership and Dignity. Yes, BOLD is the acronym which teaches black activists how they can achieve effective social justice infrastructure. Furthermore, she's also a member of the Phoenix-based Puente Human Rights Movement, which opposes attempts to stop illegal immigration. And finally, Tometi is an open believer in and practitioner of liberation theology. Now, it's interesting to note, going back to this James Simpson article, uh, Reds Exploiting Blacks, that was published by Accuracy in Media in January of 2016, Uh, He knows that the intellectual genealogy of the Black Lives Matter movement um, and and does so in referencing a quote from Vladimir Lenin. We must be ready to employ trickery, deceit, law-breaking, withholding, and concealing truth. We can and must write in a language that sows among the masses hate, revulsion, and scorn towards those who disagree with us. The left generally, and Black Lives Matter in particular, paint America as irredeemable and always view the U.S. in a negative light, regardless of the facts. Again, Theirs is a narrative in search of facts and data and truth. The motive of the Black Lives Matter can also be understood through the lens of critical race theory, which really does constitute Lenin's strategy of sowing discord applied to the concept of race. And it was formulated by Obama's favorite Harvard professor, Derek Bell. And this is kind of a summation of it. Critical race theory contends that America is permanently racist to its core, and that consequently the nation's legal structures are by definition racist and invalid. Members of oppressed racial groups are entitled, in fact obligated, to determine for themselves which laws and traditions have merit and are worth observing. Let me unpackage that a little bit. 
What Derek Bell, and again, critical race theory contend is that somehow the founding of this country is illegitimate. It was founded by a bunch of racists. Therefore, their racism permeated the entire structure of the republic and the founding of this country, whether it was the structure of our government, the structure of our legal system. Everything that was started by them is somehow illegitimate. So I would remind you, and I hope that you already have understood this, but if you don't, I'm going to state it clearly. This has nothing to do with tearing down Confederate statutes, statues, has everything to do with them ultimately targeting the founders. If they can target the founders and persuade the majority of the American people that somehow the founders are illegitimate because they were deeply racist, they will delegitimize the founding documents of the founders, the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, the Bill of Rights. That is what they are headed for. They are not interested in having a rational conversation about who we are as a people, how everybody can live better lives within this country. They are interested in tearing down the old order to place a new order uh, in this country. It has nothing to do with the founding of this country. It has nothing to do with the American Republic. These are Marxists. These are socialists. And the thing that's Orwellian about it, again, is that they cloak this radical political ideology in race. They're trying to cloak it in race so that nobody can attack it and say, well, the only reason you're coming out of black, about Black Lives Matter is because you're a racist. It has nothing to do with race. It has everything with me saying that their political ideology is at odds with the founding of this country and is deeply un-American. And it's scary to me because nobody wants to talk about the facts for fear of being called a racist. Has nothing, I don't have a racist bone in my body. Has nothing to do with race. Has everything to do with political ideology. The thing that's, uh, that James Simpson points out too in this piece from 2016 is that white Marxists have consistently exploited blacks and other minorities to achieve their far left aims. Uh, the late Larry Grathwall, if I pronounced that correctly, is a former FBI informant in the Weather Underground, testified to this fact. He claimed that the Weather Underground terrorist Bill Ayers and Bernadine Dorn considered Barack Obama as a means to divide America along racial lines. Critical race theory is a derivative of critical theory, which attempts to discredit every aspect of Western civilization. Again, going back to my point previously, they want to undermine the founders, the founding documents, and undermine this country, which I believe this country, in an imperfect world, and let me be honest about this, we are all imperfect human beings in an imperfect world, right? We are capable of great good. We are incapable of sustained good. In this imperfect world, this country, this American republic, has been a great beacon of hope, of freedom, and opportunity for untold millions around the world. It is the pinnacle of Western civilization. That is what these people are coming for. They are coming to eradicate the American republic. So critical theory, which again is, is a derivative, uh, a critical race theory is a derivative of critical theory. Again, it all comes down to discrediting every aspect of Western civilization. It was actually initially developed, again, I hope you see these Marxist communist themes, uh, developed by philosophers of the communist Frankfurt School, which was founded in Frankfurt, Germany in 1923. And when the Jewish scholars fled Germany in the 1930s, They relocated to the Columbia Teachers College in New York, where they subsequently spread their ideas to the entire university system over the course of time. 
So modern day political correctness is also a derivative of critical theory. So you start to see all these themes tying in together in which you understand, again, this is about a political philosophy. That's all this is. And what they're trying to do and achieve has nothing to do with who we are as a people. After the shooting of Michael Brown in August of 2014, uh, Dream Defenders, an organization led by the Working Families Party, which ACORN, uh, activists and Occupy Wall Street anarchists, Nalini Stamp, popularized the common Black Lives Matter phrase, hands up, don't shoot, even though this phrase was based off a lie. So Garza, Kalarz, and Tometi, again, the three founders of Black Lives Matter, all work at front groups for the Freedom Road socialist organizations. This is one of the four largest radical left organizations in the country, with the others being the Communist Party USA, Democratic Socialists of America, and the Committees of Correspondence for Democracy and Socialism. They are socialists and they are Marxists. Dream Defenders is backed by the Service Employees International Union, SEIU, the ACLU, and Southern Poverty Law Center, and others. So the uh, Freedom Road Socialist Organization is a descendant of the Mao-inspired New Communist Movement. It's split into two different groups, 1999, uh, the FRSO, Fight Back, and the FRSO, OSCL. And Black Lives Matter is actually associated with the second group. But the, the, the Freedom Road Socialist Organization, FRSO, uh, consists of dozens of groups whose combined vision is to overthrow American capitalism and replace it with socialism. That's it. That's what they're aiming for. All these women who started Black Lives Matter are all part of these groups. That's their goal. Overthrow American capitalism, replace it with socialism. And Stamp, uh, again, one of the, the people that, they, that Black Lives Matter works with, is closely associated with, once remarked that we're not actually trying to change the capitalist system we have today because it's not working for any of us. They're not interested in reform. They're not interested in dialogue or conversations. Um, they're interested in tearing down the old system and bringing a new one. So as you start to see this, I, I hope that you understand these people are well-funded. They have socialist ties, Marxist ties. They are have have nothing to do with the founding. Again, it's Orwellian because they cloak their politi- political ideology in race. So one of the things that I, I want to do now is just go to their website and read some of the stuff off the Black Lives Matter uh, website. Okay, and, and understand these, these are not things that I am coming up with. These are things that are very open, they're honest about, that's on their website, uh, we see ourselves as the part of the global black family. We are aware of the different ways we are impacted and privileged as, or privileged as black people who exist in different parts of the world. We are gu- guided by the fact that all black lives matter, regardless of actual or perceived sexual identity, gender identity, gender expression, economic status, ability, disability, religious beliefs or disbeliefs, immigration status or location. We make space for transgender brothers and sisters to participate and lead. We build a space that affirms black women and is free from sexism, misogyny, and environments in which men are centered. We practice empathy. We engage comrades with the intent comrades to intent with the intent to learn about and connect with their contexts. We make our spaces for family friendly. We make our spaces family friendly and enable parents to fully participate with their children. 
We dismantle the patriarchal practice that requires mothers to work double shifts so they can mother in private even as they participate in public justice work. We disrupt, and this is key, we disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement by supporting each other as extended families and villages that collectively care for one another, especially our children, to the degree that mothers, parents, and children are comfortable. We foster a queer affirming network. When we gather, we do so with the intention of freeing ourselves from the tight grip of heteronormative thinking, or rather the belief that all in the world are heterosexual, unless he or they disclose otherwise. We cultivate an intergenerational and communal network free from ageism. We believe that all people, regardless of age, show up with the capacity to lead and learn. We embody and practice justice, liberation, and peace in our engagements with one another. Help us to fight disinformation. We need to see what you see. Black Lives Matter is a central target of disinformation, and you are a key line of defense. Report suspicious sites, stories, ads, social accounts, and posts about BLM. Feel free to report me, people, about me stating what you believe and who you are and what you are actually trying to achieve. Uh, it's, it's staggering to me when you, you look at some of their stated goals. Again, they're, they're trying to disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family. You mean having a father in the house? Having a father as a strong leader in a house? Not too long ago, 80% of black families had fathers. Flip it on its head now, about 20%, give or take, have families, have fathers that are in the house. Fatherless families are a massive issue in the minority community. So what does Black Lives Matter want to do? They want to disrupt disrupt the Western-prescribed nuclear family structure. That's one of the main issues of what we're seeing taking place, the high crime rates, the violence, the black-on-black crime. Fathers are absent, and they are actually advocating for more of that. So spare me that Black Lives Matter, the organization, is somehow about advancing and protecting and making better the lives in the black community. They are using race to cloak a radical ideology that is not only destructive to the black community, it's also destructive to this country as well. I hope that this podcast has given you more information. I hope that it has armed you with facts and statistics so that you can then communicate and push back on this because we are in the midst. We are in the midst of a cultural revolution in which powerful voices in a variety of institutions, the long march of the left has captured. And they are telling you on a variety of fronts, whether it's the mainstream propagandists, whether it's Hollywood, whether it's our the, the indoctrination centers of higher learning, all of these things are trying to push a narrative that is meant to undermine and do away with the American Republic. It is your job and your responsibility. Future generations will thank you if you will stand up and say, we will not submit to this. You will not silence our voices. Enough is enough. Understand what you are up against and please understand. At some point, And the sooner you understand this, the easier it will be for you. You will be made to choose. You will either submit or you won't. You will either be forced to bend the knee or you won't. And don't act like it's not coming for you. 
They are not interested in dialogue. They are interested in compelling you and conforming you. It's time to fight back.